Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. And we're back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed in studio this morning with Bernadette. Peters. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I have Bernadette Faulkner here with Faulkner Advisory, but we noticed that Tim called her Bernadette Peters during the break. Love it. Yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know where that came from. You know what? I love it. Many people do that. You got to sing along with yourself now, Bernadette? Is that her? It is. Yes. She's she's gorgeous. She has long, curly red hair. She's an incredible Broadway actress and singer. She's rich. She has a glamorous life in New York City. I want to be her, so I'll channel her. I bet she has long. Do you think she has long-term well, care? Well, she actually is. I or think she's she close to 80. self-insure. If you, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, she's fabulous. And I saw, I met her actually for a minute once at the Westminster Dog oh, wow. Show. You did? Oh, and she great. was, she wore a sequin like, gown to it. She was so glamorous. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Met her? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I haven't met anyone famous. Oh, I bet I you have. I mean, lots I've of time. seen famous yeah. people yeah, you have like lots in New York of and in Boston, but you yeah. have lots of time. I hope that's the case, guys. Anyway, we have Bernadette Faulkner here. Not to be confused with Bernadette Peters. Uh, oh, please, confuse me. Uh, Bernadette is a not a Broadway singer, not a Broadway singer, but a light, but almost as glamorous. Oh yeah, a long-term well, care insurance as specialist. Exciting. That's right. <laughs> People love me at a well. dinner party. Yeah. So we are talking about planning for later in life, planning for allocating money for health care, long-term care, senior care, whatever you want to call it. Talk. I'm, I'm going to maybe the, the simple English: having enough money so that you can remain independent and stay at home. Yeah. And age in place for as long as you want. It costs money to do that. I want to get into it, have conversations on a recurring basis. Sometimes they're long conversations. Sometimes they're short conversations based on the response from the client. But I have these conversations frequently about what is long-term care, planning for long-term care. How do you want to plan the expense, the potential expense of something like this later in life? And and I just, I just want to talk for a few minutes about like the struggle that people have when it comes to this topic, when it comes to trying to plan for this topic, there's a hurdle there and it's, I guess we could talk about why it's there, but the hurdle is people don't, not very many people want to plan for this. And I guess maybe you see different things because you're generally meeting and dis- and having these conversations with people that do want to plan for it. Okay, so how that- do they make it as far <laughs> yeah. as to actually talk to me? So I'm having conversations with people, generally speaking, people that have assets and or have income that 
are planning for the rest of their life in some way. They're engaging a financial advisor. And the people that I'm talking to about this is are people that are planning for their retirement with me. I'm trying to loop in either allocating dollars for insurance premiums or whatever, or in some way trying to plan for if someone or a member of a married couple or both need what we call long-term care services and custodial care, or they need help later in life, but it's not medical care. It's just they need help, whether it's they have a cognitive impairment or whether they just need physical assistance, et cetera. But there's just, there's a barrier there. And I, I, I think there's a lot of different reasons that people struggle with wanting to plan for it. And I guess I'll just rattle off a few that I've come across and I think number I think no one wants to imagine themselves in a vulnerable capacity. I think that's probably the biggest hurdle. No one wants to live like that at the end of their life. They don't want to be a burden on their family. They would most people just say I'd rather just I'd rather have the end of my life be well that that's it. I'm right when it's my time, I'm gone and it doesn't drag on and be a burden on family and that's a terrible way to say it. But I I'm repeating words that I've heard from some clients and I can respect all of that and I witnessed that with my mother and she didn't want it to drag on and she didn't want to be a burden on people. She just wanted she was at peace and it's my time and I just want to go and I think a lot of people feel that way but what's hard is like when when people get to a point later in life where they might need help whether there's a cognitive impairment or a physical impairment it's often I get I don't know if this is fortunate or unfortunate but it's often not that person then making the decisions it's the family it's the spouse it's the adult children it's some other close family member and the family is just like naturally going to do whatever they need to do to care for that person, right? And I think in many cases extend their life because what else are you going to do? What else is the family going to do? So I think that's a really hard, I don't have a solution to this, but this is, I think, a really hard, it's a really hard topic for people to plan for, I think, because they don't envision that for their life. Nobody wants to envision. Yeah. yeah and really think through. Yeah how might my, all the cycles of my life, yeah. how might the, the last, whatever, 20% of my life, what might it look like? Particularly if I live a very long time. The people that need care, extended care, are people that live a long time, for the most part. Yeah. And so why do people not want to talk about it? Because they don't want it to happen. They don't want it to happen. Yeah. And the real, the minority of people that are really hardcore planners, serious planners, engineering, they do want to, and it's more likely to be women actually because yeah. they've experienced it. I don't they've know. cared for someone else in their life, probably. Yes, they may they've have. seen yeah. it. Yeah. But why do people come to me if I ask them why? Number one, oftentimes they've just gone through an experience. Yeah. Or they have such vivid memories of taking care of parents or someone else, a sibling, who, someone who has Parkinson's, someone who has Alzheimer's, might be a lot younger, a spouse, uh, someone who has a vivid experience of it and doesn't want a repeat in their yeah. own life. Yeah. And the repeat isn't about them. It's about their family members. I don't yeah. want my spouse to have to go through what I saw yeah. my mother go through, taking care of my father who had Alzheimer's. I don't want my kids to have to interrupt their career. I don't want my kids to see me. But I, and it is what I don't want, but it's also what I do want. I want to stay in my own home. Yeah. I want to stay completely independent and in control of my care. Even if I start having a cognitive decline, I want to have a plan in place so it's done the way I want it. Yeah. And 
I, I do <clears throat> want my the loved ones to be involved, but I don't want them to have to pay for it. Yeah. And I don't want it, my money to go toward my care at the end. I worked too hard for it. I want it to go to my spouse, my kids, yeah. my grandkids, my blah, blah, blah. I don't want all this outpouring of money at the end of my life in that direction. It's so, inter- yeah. it, it, but it's hard it's to interest- face it and... It's interesting you just said that because I was thinking as you were talking, I was thinking, okay, the the other reason people don't want to plan for this, for the potential need for long-term care is because it's expensive. It's I think people know that. It almost outrages people how expensive it is. It's, yeah. Yeah. And it is expensive and people know that. They might not know the exact numbers, but they know it's expensive. Number one, the actual cost of care if someone needs it, whether it's at home or somewhere else, the cost of care is expensive. And I do think that people know that, okay, well then planning for it is going to be expensive too. So that's another hurdle, right? That, that, okay, if I'm going to make a plan for this, I'm going to pay for it. Yeah. And and, and another just really simplistic, but erroneous thing is that people translate long-term care immediately into nursing home care. To to them, it's an interchangeable phrase, which it's not in reality. And they say that that's never going to happen to me. I'm never going to go into a nursing home, et cetera. So there's a disconnect. Yeah. It's mostly about taking planning for care long before you need and might need that level of care, but people don't think of it that way. It's almost a a phrase that we shouldn't use in the planning process because you say long-term care and people hear nursing home. Yeah. There's also a disconnect because what you said was very true. People know that the cost of care is expensive. They know that planning for it will be expensive, but they also, what you said is true, they also don't want their hard-earned money to go, for example, to a nursing home. They want it to go to their family. So that's, but that's a huge disconnect. It is. So it very likely will if you don't plan for it. Exactly. And that's why we're sitting here and, right and, now, and that's why you have a profession, because they, because the, it's important planning, because no one wants, again, their hard-earned money to go, at the end of their life, for example, all to $15,000 a month to a nursing home, or, I'm sorry, twenty-five dollars to $30,000 a month for oh, round-the-clock home care. Home care. Very expensive. Yeah. I've seen that firsthand. Nobody wants that to happen, yet not enough people are planning for it. And so that that's a and huge disconnect. It's yeah, a, yeah and it, it, yes, it's it, yes, I can only say yes, yeah. yes and yes and yeah. it's only going to get bigger. So let's talk about there's a couple of different type I do think the long-term care insurance I say this like on repeat in my client meetings where appropriate. It's it's certainly not appropriate for everyone and I'll talk and I can talk about why and I do with my clients, but I I think that there are a lot of people for whom long-term care insurance is appropriate. And there's a couple of different types. And we talked a little bit about before, earlier in the show, we were talking about in the life insurance world, there's term insurance and then there's permanent insurance and there's cost differentials and there's people for whom those, you know, different people that those are appropriate for. And then in the long-term care insurance world, there's, it's like the same thing. It's a good analogy. Yes, Where it there's, is. it's not called term, it's called standalone long-term yeah. care. Yeah. And then in the life insurance world, the permanent I guess same thing. It's a permanent life insurance. We, I would call that hybrid. So in the long-term care world, there's standalone policies and then there's hybrid, which is a hybrid life and long-term care policy. So that's right. more the permanent. So it will be used 
probably more expensive type. And then there's the lower cost standalone might not be used type. So there's, so it's a, so it's a good analogy there. Seems to me that the, I love the life long-term care hybrid policies for so many me reasons. Too. I want to talk about there. They are gaining in popularity. It's from what I've read. It seems to be that they're, let's, okay. They're well received in concept. There is, can we call it there? There's sometimes a little sticker shock. Yes. Okay. And probably that's the case for actually standalone long-term care as well. A little bit of sticker shock? Yes. Not Maybe not quite as much? Actually, surprisingly, pe- people generally are surprised at... It, it's lower than they expected for long-term care insurance. Yeah. But when they... The hurdle that people have a hard time getting over is, if I never use right. all that premium has been... Wait. Quote-unquote wasted. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, probably we don't even need to put that in quotes. If you don't use it, it's wasted. No, yeah. like health and like car insurance and home insurance, yeah. yes. But what but I'll come back it, to our discussion earlier in the show that we can, that insurance is, there's two ends of the insurance spectrum. There's leverage and there's allocating your money. I think that long-term care insurance is really more of the allocating my money type. Yes. Because it is very common for people later in life to need some sort of care at home home care is incredibly common and a lot of people will need it at some point and maybe there's a spouse that helps for a period of time and all that but it's very common that people need some sort of care as they age so this is more long-term care insurance is more it's the other end of the spectrum for me from it it is leverage and can be leveraged certainly but it's the other end of the spectrum on the insurance from term life insurance which is short money potentially a lot but probably won't use it long-term care insurance is more like you're probably going to use it or there's a higher probability that you're going to use your insurance money and so you're going to pay for it like you're, you, and so that's more of just like allocating my resource resources because again we talked earlier in the show about allocating a little bit like most people aren't think about someone who takes a long-term care insurance policy and maybe they're paying 500 bucks a month for 20 years or something could be a long period of time right it, it depends on when someone might use the policy and how old they are when they take out the policy but is that person then otherwise going to allocate 500 or even $1,000 a month because there's no leverage, they would have to allocate more if they're doing it on their own. And self-insuring, they'd either have to like monthly tuck money over here or take a part of their portfolio and earmark it or tuck it somewhere separate and don't draw from it for regular expenses. We're just tucking that over no, there. No one does that. No one does that. No, no one, does one. That. <laughs> no, one no, no one, no one, no one. So no one does that. So that, and that's why I think long-term care insurance certainly has its place in this world. I wish it had more of a place in the world. It would be less expensive if more people purchased it, but it's still not very widely purchased. And we talked about all the reasons for that. And but it's, I think it's really important for people to plan for this in some way. And in my conversations with people, it's, 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 it's to plan for long-term care. Let's be honest. It's expensive. Whether you're buying the insurance or whether you're using your own assets it, or in self-insuring, if you are planning for, I most likely will need care later in my life and it could be very expensive. 
it's you, there's a financial impact of that. Absolutely. It, 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 it is it's, what it is. It's like financial planning. I put money in my 401k and it's expensive I, and then I have money later. I need to pay for my <laughs> health insurance premiums all through yeah. retirement. I, yeah. Yeah. I, yes. I still find like that, that, so allocating money and planning for financial things later on, there, there's work involved with it. There, there's, it's hard. It's a fine, there's a financial impact in your life. But, but I would ask with your clients, you have a really big client base. You've been in the business a long time. They're at all different points in their life. Many of them aging, going into retirement, beyond retirement. What's your general experience? Are people just saying, I don't want to talk about it? After you talk about it, do they say, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to address that specifically in my retirement plan? Most people are, when we talk about, here's a risk to your portfolio or to your financial life, and it is someone needs long-term care services and it's very expensive or it can be. Some people will agree to look into the insurance. Unfortunately, oftentimes they come to the conclusion that they don't want to proceed with the insurance. And even if we talk about affordability and allocating resources and all that, it's just, it's easier financially, I think, and maybe emotionally for people to want to pursue a legal avenue and protect their house and just plan for it that way. I'll put, I'll put my home into a specific type of trust. And if five years go by, my home can't, there can't be a lien placed on my home if I need to go on, if my assets are spent and I need to go on Medicaid. So people are more attracted to, I'm going to do some legal planning. And generally speaking, that means protecting the equity in their home. And again, we've had we could spend two hours on it and we will do that again. We have done that and we'll do that again with an attorney in studio. It's easier for people to plan for that. Most people don't, a lot of people don't spend the equity in their home in retirement anyway. It's easier to just do it this way. My kids will get something. <laughs> what still can happen though is somebody could do that and they could have half a million, million, million and a half in other assets. And it, those assets could still be spent down at twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month later well, on, and so you're really not IRAs and yeah. any retirement assets. Yeah. yeah. So, so people pe- just people, people. So your clients, for the most part, say, "I'm, I'll live with that risk of my money assets." <laughs> no one it's, says, it, "I will live with the risk." They feel <laughs> yeah, better yeah, if yeah, they've protected yeah. their home. Yeah, you know, from, uh, yes, yes. And from my perspective, it's my responsibility to let, you know, where I think appropriate and when in their life I think appropriate, it's my responsibility to make them aware of this potential cost in your life, this potential risk. Here are some options and some things to think about. And, you know, that's my responsibility. I'd never twist anyone's arm to take out the insurance, though I in many times have firmly expressed belief that it's very appropriate and affordable. I guess affordable is, I guess that's a relative term, right? My, my definition of affordable might be different from the clients and I have to respect that. It's their money. Once I have made them aware of those risks, and sometimes this is over a period of years as we talk and it's often we have a conversation and then nothing happens. And then we have a conversation again, six or 12 months later and nothing has happened. And then we do it again. <laughs> and so that's the evolution of this type of planning. And like I said, I send people your way when I can. And from what I hear and from what I know of you, you're very good at educating people in this regard and giving them the information they need to make an informed decision. Unfortunately, it just seems, I think the sticker shock, it's the cost is a hurt. And, and, and I think there's still a smaller percentage than I would like of my clients pursue the insurance. 
And I just, I think that's unfortunate because then, and I'll even say this to them and I'm like, I don't look forward to getting a call one day from your son or daughter. Why doesn't my mom or dad have long-term care insurance? Did we recommend it to them? The, the adult children are seeing the money pour out down yeah. the sieve. Yeah. yeah. And I've had calls like that before and I'll have them again wondering why that insurance policy isn't in place and it's I can't force people to take on the insurance. And I, and again, I'll say this to many people, most of my clients a lot of them don't want to allocate their money for this type of insurance. Unfortunately, all of their kid almost all of their kids would want them to. If, they, if their kids understood. It's disconnect. Yeah. yeah. I've actually had adult kids offer to pay. Yeah. Oh, yes. For, for the parents. Or I've actually yep. had, had divorced couples. Yeah. The husband, the ex-husband says, I'm going to pay for this from my ex-wife because I don't want my kids. There are kids. Yeah. We're divorced yeah. and I can afford it. I'm going to keep paying the premium yeah. for my ex. Or people negotiated in a divorce settlement. I need you to keep paying it. Yeah. And I don't mean to be, make stereotypes. The husband says... The ex says, I don't want my adult children to have to take care of their mom. And, oh, and she's yeah. not prepared for this or she's not willing or it might yeah. drop. They had it when they, yes. Interesting. Okay. I do want to talk about hybrid policies a little bit more. We didn't even get into that. Okay. And, um, we're gonna, you and I like can't get a word in with each other. We're so excited talking about that. That's what we're going to do okay. for the last half hour. All right. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara. Read Bernadette. Bernadette your- Faulkner Advisory. I would, 781-856-7694. I would say if you, my contact information, call McNamara Financial and you can get it there. I will not taking a break. Be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Sorry, I was pulling up. I was trying to do my Live starting. Live on the edge, Alyssa. I, was, I love it. I love it. What were you doing? I was what trying to... Everybody? I have an 1145. Keep me on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> I coach soccer, youth soccer. We have an 1145 game in Pembroke. I was thinking about my starting lineup, but I guess I'll do that later. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by Bernadette Faulkner Advisory. Long-term care and life insurance advisory. And, and I, I have an independent business. I work with all of the insurance companies and underwriters. I don't represent any particular ones. So if you want to get in touch with me, call McNamara Financial. That's the easiest thing to say on the radio. I don't work for them or with them, but I do work for their clients. And maybe you have that a needs of- help. A lot of mutual clients. 781-834-2010 is the office number at McNamara Financial or check out McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com for our Merrimack Valley location. All right. We have been talking for 90 minutes and I've been wanting to get into hybrid policies just because I think they're awesome. So these are life insurance policies, hybrid life insurance and long-term care insurance. I think they are great. They are priced for people that have some cash flow to allocate to them or some assets to allocate to them. Do you want to 
So they're different from long-term care insurance, the standalone policies, and that first of all, they're a life insurance policy. I think these are great because the standalone long-term care policies, while they do, you explained earlier in the show that you get like a lot of bang for your buck. They're more leverage, but they're not all used. Some people pass away without using a standalone long-term care insurance policy, and then it is dollars. In that situation, it would be dollars wasted. Of course, there is a high percentage of those policies that are used later in life, but that's the concern that people have when I talk to them about standalone long-term care because they're a higher price point than people want them to be. But, and there's the concern that I might allocate or spend all of this money on this insurance and then not use it. Legitimate concern. So the hybrid life long-term care policies take that out of the equation. This is a life insurance policy that has a death benefit designed to be a permanent policy. It has a death benefit And it also has a component where if you qualify, either have a cognitive impairment or need help with two out of the six activities of daily living, if you are certified by a doctor to to need long-term care services or qualify in that regard, there is a component of this life insurance policy where then you could be eligible to take, to receive money like a cap monthly for long-term care services. These are great because there will be some sort of a benefit from this policy at some point in time. Either this, either the policy owner needs long-term care during their life and they use that part of the policy knowing that draws down the death benefit, right? A dollar for dollar, as far as I know, on all these policies, whatever you use for long-term care draws down the death benefit dollar for dollar. So then maybe there's no death benefit, but you would have used, <coughs> excuse me, the my goodness, allergies would have used the policy for long-term care. Or if this policy owner never needs long-term care in their life and they would pass away and there would be a death benefit to their heirs. So there's some sort of a benefit coming from this policy at some point in time. So again, if I come back to our earlier discussion, this is more of an, I, I look at this as more of an allocating my resources type money, but it will come back to either me or my loved ones or my estate at some point in time. So I think people like that concept. What they don't like is it's this sort of, it's a shorter, it's like they're structured as like a shorter pay policy, right? Maybe you can get into this a little bit more. They're structured as like a shorter pay policy. So they're priced higher, but it's for a shorter amount of time, but it's a fixed payment. It's like a fixed known payment. There's no increases in price because it's a life insurance policy, not a long-term care. So there's so many great things about these policies. But it is like they're going to be utilized by someone who's very comfortable. I want to plan for this. I want to allocate some money for this because they're the way that they're priced is there's a little sticker shock there. Let's be honest. Yes. I get, yeah, I guess. It depends on your financial situation. Yeah. So, the, first of all, it's so hard to try to describe these on the radio. It is. And when I meet with clients, it's a lot easier because I have pictures and I have sort of models of how the policy works, et cetera. So I'll give it a shot, but I might step back a little bit and say, when we get outside the world of straight up long-term care policies, there's a lot going on in the insurance industry around basing these on life insurance policies. And there's two different basic kinds. The more complicated one is the one you're describing, the hybrid. The simpler version of covering both 
the long-term care, paying for long-term care risk, having some pot of money guaranteed for long-term care, but if you don't use it, also having a death benefit that goes to your heirs, is just having basically a straight-up life insurance policy, a whole life insurance. It, it might be an indexed universal life, but more likely a whole life insurance policy that has something attached to it called an accelerated death benefit and or a this chronic illness oh, okay. rider, an yep. accelerated death. And that means, I'm going to make up a number, you have a million dollars in a life insurance policy that's going to, a million dollars is going to go to your heirs when you pass away. These policies that have these additional riders on them allow you, still living but needing care, to draw down all of that money tax-free, basically spend your death benefit before you die on you instead of on your heirs, to draw all of that down to pay for your care. It's very powerful to Mm -hmm. be able to do that. You know that every dollar of the death benefit will go to your heirs unless you need it for care which is protecting your portfolio. And so you can draw it down over months and years. And I guess the big emphasis I make when I talk, try to simplify this with people, you're drawing down tax-free in death benefit insurance money while you're still alive. You're not paying taxes on right. it. Alyssa, right. I think you could you know, talk forever about how powerful that is yeah. to have that money available. That's a very simple concept. A whole life insurance policy that has a rider on it so that you can access every penny of it to pay for your care if you need it. Yeah. That, that's it. And those are great. Yeah. It's dollar for dollar, though. If you have a million dollars in death benefit, that's all that you can get out of that policy for long-term care. There's no leverage. It's all death benefit. There's a different kind of... I feel like there was there a different kind before. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about two two very different kinds of policies that are now in the forefront of insuring people. Okay. And the use of these straight up life insurance policies with accelerated drawdown death benefits is a simple version. Oh, got it. But it's dollar for dollar. The other version, which is a little trickier to explain, that's why I'm doing that second, is these, what Alyssa was calling hybrids. They're called asset-based life insurance, hybrid Mm -hmm. life insurance, long-term care. Basically... Same concept that you have a death benefit that your heirs will always get that basically equals the premiums that you've put in if you don't need long-term care. If you do need long-term care, there's a big pool of money available to you to spend on long-term care. The first part of that pool is your death benefit yep. but there's an additional pile of money and it's a pile usually yeah. two to three times the death benefit yeah. that you can continue to draw on if you need extended care if you need a year or two of care you might use your death benefit if you have alzheimer's the average care is six years for yeah. alzheimer's yeah. if you have if you need three four five years of any kind of care a little bit or medium amount or a lot there's an additional pool of insurance money long-term care money that is yours to spend. And then when you pass away, it's done. The spigot is turned off. So both of those options are great. One is a dollar for dollar against your death benefit. No leverage on the death benefit. Mm -hmm. The other one is a two to three times leverage of a pool of money. Death spend, death benefit first on your long-term care and then move to this other pile of money that's the leverage for long-term care. Yeah. 
I think yeah, that's a that, great way to explain it. And there, there are some limits regarding how much you can draw out monthly, et cetera. And there's some sort of like policy design you would go through. And, but yeah, it's, and all that. It, yeah, that's the customization of anything. Yeah. And, and again, I will say, I say this over and over again, the best way to do this, I think, is to have your financial planner be the quarterback on it yep. and say, what can you afford? Because it's all about what can you afford? How much should I get? You should get all you can afford. That's what and you should get a little bit if yeah. you can only afford a little bit. If you can afford a reasonable amount, get that. If you can afford to get a big fat policy, get that. But yeah. A little is so much better than none. Than none at all. Yeah. And I, I, I would also add, just in context of life insurance, <laughs> you don't apply for life insurance when you're 70. You need to get these kind of policies and put them in place. Yeah. When you're in your 50s or 60s or when your health is still good. And when you're in your working years for something like this, much more comfortable to fund a policy from a cash flow perspective, people are much more comfortable paying for something like this in their working years. They have some maybe discretionary cash flow, which is different from when they're retired. It's more comfortable. Which and So an, another point I would make about that, which is really important, Alyssa, thank you for bringing that up, is you typically with whole life policies, the premiums are full life. They're fixed, but they're forever. If you get it yeah. at 50, you're paying until you pass away. The hybrid policies, you can pay, you can have a fixed premium for, you can do a single premium, but most people do a 10-year premium and they're done. Okay. So they pay for these policies, fully paid up 100% in 10, 10 years, years okay. and then they put them on the shelf. The policy value grows, yeah. but they put them on the shelf yeah. ready to go. So for instance, you get it at 55, you pay for it from 55 to 65 and you are done paying. Yeah. The policy is waiting for you when you need it. It actually grows. It has an inflation value factor on it. I, that's the beauty of the hybrids. Yeah. They are more expensive than a whole life. So yeah. it's all about balancing out yeah. what can you afford, what fits. And that's where your financial planner, unless you're really good at managing your assets and you do it on your own and you're, you're forecasting out to the end of your life, it's your financial planner who plays a role in this and figuring yeah. out what works for you. Yeah. You get educated first. It's it, I, it usually takes two or three meetings with a client for them to really both understand it, get comfortable with it, talk to their financial planner about it, yeah. make a decision. The happiest day, one of the happiest days is when they get it done and they put it in the whatever, the vault. They put it in their records and yeah. they have a plan. Yeah. They have a pile of money waiting if they need it. They don't need it. Their heirs get a death benefit. They get their premium back. I think these are appropriate for a lot of people, but I think they're they're more well-received or they're easier to pay for maybe I th when someone has like still in their working years and making really good money such that they can, they're, ki they're getting their kids through college or their kids are already through college. They're maxing their 401k. They're like comfortable in many regards and still have excess cash flow. It's you know, obviously an easier situation when it's easier to pay for it. But another source, I don't know if you ever see this. I can ask my underwriters how often this happens. People are rolling over. They have whole life policy, life yeah. policies with cash values yeah, yep. that they've been building over time. You can take that policy mm -hmm. and use the cash value to pay for one of these combined life and long-term care policies. There's something called a 1035 where you can roll that mm -hmm. over tax for mm -hmm. so some people. It's a life, if it's a stage of life. Mm -hmm. They've had a whole life policy. They've got a nice chunk of money in it. Uh, it would be nice to have that death benefit for their heirs, but now they're more focused on, gee, how do I pay for long-term care? Mm -hmm. Taking that cash value and moving it into another life insurance policy that's going to cover also long-term care. Yeah. That's a really nice situation when people can do that. I think that's the best way to pay for these, actually. 
actually. I, because, if you have yeah. a cash value life insurance policy, that is something to talk to someone about, your advisor, me, anyone, about how would that work? What can I buy with what I have for cash value? Yeah. See if it makes sense. Yeah. People have a gut feel as to whether it makes sense or not when they see the numbers, et cetera. Yeah. I was going to say, and the third way to pay for this is, maybe there's a fourth, but the third way would be like someone that has a sizable amount of cash in the bank, right? Oh, yeah. Like more than they need for emergency reserves, lots of cash. Maybe you and I, some people would call it on the sidelines. So a sizable amount of cash reserves and to allocate that money to something like this, yeah, you know, financially I'm- speaking, makes sense. I do think, although that's really hard for people. So to, to fund something like this and just allocate that money, I think, I don't know, people have that sort of that comfort with like sizable amounts of money in the bank, especially later in life. If, if they, maybe they didn't have that earlier in their life and if it's really uncomfortable, if you know. it's in a low performing asset, because it's that safety money Yeah, with hybrid policies, you can get you, it, this is not a great thing to do, but if you really at some point wanted that money back. Oh, I really, you can, you can cancel the policy and get it back after two years. They'll two years, a hundred percent refund your premiums. So you can have, you can get that money back. Anyway, I think these are great. I, I wish more people would embrace these and I hope it sounds like people are statistically speaking, they're gaining in popularity. Absolutely. Absolutely. They are the policies that are fundamentally life insurance policies. Yes. Are, Absolutely, yeah, coming on strong. They make much yeah. more sense to people. You yeah. need to be able to figure out how to pay for them and afford them, but yeah. you will always see at least the return of premium. And the other thing you forget in the calculations, because who can do this three-dimensionally in their head is, number one, it's life insurance. If you yeah. get it when you're 50, if it's a million-dollar policy, unfortunately, if you pass away at 52, you're going to... It's insurance. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna see a million dollars. Your heirs are. The second thing that I love so much that I remind my clients all the time: any money from this, whether it's on a life insurance policy and on long term care insurance policies, any money is tax free. Yeah. You are not liquidating assets yeah. and paying thirty percent of those assets on taxes. Any payouts to you or beneficiaries from a life insurance policy are dollar for dollar in your pocket. Yeah. Unless you cancel a policy and take the cash and there was like the cash. Yeah, that's that, the one yeah. exception I could think to that. No, but yeah, no, for that, the most part. Yeah, that's yeah. not, yeah. Yeah, that's different. All right, we have about 10, 10 more minutes. What do you, Did you want to play a game? No, oh, I don't know if this is fun <laughs> or not. These are fun. I'd probably think it was fun, Bernadette. <laughs> I don't know. You decide. Oh, okay. And we didn't talk about this. This is the stuff that scares people away, though. The cost of care. Oh, yeah. And yep. then, yeah, and who needs care? Most people envision, yeah, I don't know. This is this going to be a big downer? Yeah. Let's no, not I don't think so. I think it's... We already talked about how people, one of the reasons that people avoid or don't want to plan for this is because they know it's expensive. I don't think people, maybe they don't want to think it through in terms of it's expensive, but what does that mean? I, yeah, and also in, in that context, most, the majority of money spent on care is for in home. Yeah. It's not in nursing homes. I think that's what makes people shudder and turn away. Yeah. Um, when you need care, you're likely to need care for the most part for the longest time not inside not in a nursing home but in your own home or etc so if you're planning for it focus on that yeah how do you how long 
you know, how, how do you remain independent and in your own home and get the help you need? Yeah. I have a, a client now, a married couple now going through this mid to late 70s maybe. And one member of the couple is has started to experience a cognitive decline. And the other member of the couple is helping and caring for him, but is to the point where she's unable to do it full time and her husband can't, it's dangerous to be left home alone. And, and, and unfortunately, there's a lot of situations like that. The And she, we're having a conversation and she's pricing out her different options and everyone wants to stay home, of course. And But if you do the math, it just depends on what you need in terms of what's more cost effective because home care is what 40 bucks an hour now yes. in Massachusetts it's $40 an hour for example for this married couple for her to get out and get errands done or have a little break or enjoy life and do stuff and meet family for lunch or whatever it is have 4 hours a day have a break yeah exactly like even if she's looking for a few hours a day, four days a week or something like that. That's 12 hours at $40 an hour. That's almost 500 bucks a week. $2,000 a month. $2,000 a month. This particular couple, not unlike many others, all, almost all of their assets are in qualified retirement plans. So for me to send a couple thousand dollars a month extra is a lot. You're taking twenty five hundred or three thousand dollars a month in addition to what they're already taking to support paying taxes life. on that and then paying for right. care. It is yeah. very painful. Yeah. yeah. And again, the, the reality. Long when people think of long term care, they think of physical needs, nursing home. More than half of long term care is for cognitive decline. That's the major the majority of people have cognitive issues, not physical. That yep. and that's where the money yeah. is being spent is to watch over them. Yeah. What else? Round the clock home care. I thirty thousand dollars a month. Yes. So do th- three hundred and sixty thousand a year. After, after taxes. Yes. I know a few very well-to-do people that have done that, and it is yeah. so few. Yeah. It is the 1% of the... Who yeah. can afford that? Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's for a very short period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. How do we conclude this on an up note? Oh, we have six minutes to conclude it on a... Oh. I don't know. This is a... It's a reality of life, right? The people embrace... Fortunately, it's a reality, right? The people that need long-term care, custodial care, help later in life are living a long life. The longer you live, the more likely it is you're going to need it. And thank God for that. Yes. Right? This is a reality of living a long life. And some people might say, oh, I don't want to live that long of a life. But you can't control that. Unless you're, what, Sweden or something, where now it's assisted suicide is legal. Was it Sweden or Norway or something? I was just reading an article about that. But you can't control that as much as people, like, joke about it. But it's it's something that should be dealt with in some way at some point. The Like other types of planning, the earlier you plan for it, 
the easier it is and the more choices you'll have. And I think fortunately there are a lot of choices. There are a lot of different ways that people can plan for this, whether it's insurance, multiple different types of insurance, whether it's allocating your assets, whether it's planning from a legal perspective or maybe even some combination of those things. It usually is a combination, by the way. I guess another thing that can just stop people cold is when they think they need to come up with a bulletproof single plan, it usually means a couple of different, it means getting some help from your family, it means getting some community help, senior centers, it means, and then it's, it means staying at home as long as you can and getting non-professional help. It's a whole combination of things, getting meals on wheels, all those things. And then as your needs increase, paying people to come in so your family doesn't. Your family will always be heavily involved. You just don't want them to have to do the real physical part of this, which is what people pay for when they get home aids or in in nursing homes. So it's not a single silver bullet. The financial part of it is really important to take the burden off yourself and your family. Yeah. I think it's important to think about paying for insurance like this as allocating your assets, your either your income or your assets. And again, it's easier to plan for this like before you retire. So if I'm putting together a financial plan for someone and they're still working and we're figuring out when is a comfortable time for you to retire such that your fixed income and your assets would support you for an anticipated life expectancy. If we're building in cost of either care later or cost of insurance premiums while we're going through that analysis, that's the time to plan for it. Yeah. Because if you retire and you're created this financial plan such that you're taking a certain percentage of your assets out every year in a sustainable way, hopefully, and then you try to build in a cost like this, which can be can be sizable relatively speaking based on where other people spend their money then that's that then that type of planning is that's it's just not it's probably just not going to work un- unless you have very sizable assets substantial assets that are significantly more than you need and so, so it's a time to plan is earlier in your working years and if you've been turned off at the idea of being insured for this with long term care maybe consider exploring the life insurance direction on this. I do think Alyssa said that she's a financial advisor. She's been in the business a long time. She likes the idea of this concept. It is, it's getting more popular. It does work. At least open up again to, I think, exploring that as a way to fund. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't think it's appropriate for everyone, but I think it's appropriate for a lot more people than pursue it. I think it's very... I don't think think they're aware of it. Yeah. I think it's widely appropriate, different levels for different people, but I think many more people should consider it than actually do. Or even, or sometimes people consider it, but don't pursue it. And I think that's unfortunate. And I know, I, I try to change that. I have lots of conversations with lots of clients about it, but for another day, call me if you would like to chat about your own personal situation. All right, you're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Find out more about me at McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com. We also have a podcast. You can check out your podcast app, search for McNamara on Money. My guest this morning was Bernadette Faulkner with Faulkner Advisory. You can call my office, 781-834-2010 to get her contact information. Thank really you. nice to be here. Thank you, Bernadette. This Not Peters.
for your time and expertise this morning. Have a great weekend, everybody. Don't forget your earrings, Bernadette. (laughs) Take them off because of the headphones. All right, everyone, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.